This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome everyone, this is Letty Medina with WSFI Antioch 88.5 FM Catholic Radio and my show Fullness of Life. And I'm so happy this month to welcome a dear friend, Andrea Velasquez, who's going to share her faith journey with the listeners and how God has communicated with her throughout her her walk with him and her discernment process of kind of trying to figure out where he was leading her. So thank you, Andrea, for your willingness to come on the show today. Thanks for having me, Letty. So I've had the great privilege of knowing Andrea for a number of years now. Um, we got to know each other through through the parish that we both um, were members of until recently when she moved away. And we became um, sisters in Christ. And um, <clears throat> I began to learn more about her beautiful faith journey. And she had the privilege of having her share it with me over coffee many times. And it's just, it was, again, the Lord always puts people on my heart. And recently he prompted me to reach out to Andrea and have her kind of share her witness, her personal and unique faith journey with him. So why don't we start at the very beginning? Uh, Tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you were raised in the faith. Yeah, I um, grew up in a very loving, stable home. I attended uh, Catholic school, even through um, college and graduate school. Um, And uh, I attended youth group. In fact, it was a big part of my husband and my relationship when we were younger in high school. I was attending youth group and Steubenville retreats, um, went to mass weekly. Um, We was pretty active um, in my faith life, but um, just a very stable and uneventful childhood, but definitely uh, Catholicism was a a big theme in our family life. Which is a great gift, right? When you have that given to you. Yeah. Um, Now, you shared with me that as a child, your experience of the mass wasn't necessarily like earth shaking. (laughs) No, I remember as a kid, um, the stories were really fun at the beginning. And then um, kind of the sitting and the standing and the kneeling towards the second part of mass was um, not my favorite. So I think that a real turning point in my faith life was at some point in my young adult life, I'm not sure exactly when it was. um, I really kind of flip flop those roles at mass. And I said, um, the second half of mass became more of my favorite that anticipation of of the eucharist and and i really as i look back realized that that was a point um when my faith life really changed for me um it wasn't a particular instance of mass attendance but um i just realized that that focus on the eucharist really changed how i participated in mass and my relationship with the lord yeah and i think um that's a very typical experience i would say for a lot of young people right where yeah, the story of, you know, the gospel or whatever might pique your interest, but the rest of it, if you don't have an understanding of the beauty and and what's really going on in a mystical sense, it can be very kind of monotonous and boring, right? Right. So not surprising. Um, So tell us a little bit about like your, your, how how you met Matt. Yeah. So Matt is my husband. And um, so 
we met in uh, first period freshman English on the second day of high school. So um, I don't want to make any parents of teenagers nervous out there, but um, th it is possible to meet your future spouse in high school. So, um, and I think this was one of my earliest experiences of God's grace. I just, um, it was the first time I experienced this, what I would call a deep knowing, like that there was something special about Matt. And, and even, and even then I felt that we were going to be married, that he was going to be my husband. And, and just, it became this, um, secret that I kept because that seems like a silly thing for a 16 year old girl to say about her first boyfriend. Um, but in on January or on sorry on June 30th 2004 is kind of a special date for us because that was kind of the first time that Matt and I said that we loved each other and that was about six months after dating and I I'm a real lover of dates and um, that that's actually our wedding day eight years later so um, it was all June 30th 2012 so I just um, I think that's the farthest back I can trace kind of this um, knowing and tugging on my heart where. Um, I maybe knew that something was going to happen, but I did not know exactly how it would manifest and how it would turn out. Um, I think that's the farthest back that I can, I can trace that. So, and that kind of continues throughout my story is kind of leaning into those knowings, even though they may seem ridiculous or silly or impossible. I think that's beautiful. And, you know, I just kind of want to affirm that, um, knowing you, knowing you and knowing your story and seeing how the Lord has worked in your life throughout your young life, um, that he has given you that, that grace of knowing. And I can sh share just briefly that I also have grown in that ability to kind of just sense when the Lord is prompting me towards something. Right. And I want the listeners to, to re recognize this is not unique to Andrea or to me, this is available to all children of God, that when we really seek a relationship with the Lord or kind of open ourselves to kind of that discernment process, there is the ability to have kind of grace infused in those moments to kind of really know and feel more confident that we're moving towards something that the Lord is inviting us to. So I think that's beautiful. So you end up getting married in what, 2012? 12. Okay. Correct. And what, what happened next in your young marriage? Yeah. So at the time I was um, a high school science teacher in Cincinnati um, and Matt had um, been accepted to graduate school in Indianapolis. So he was gone during the week and came home to Cincinnati on the weekends and a friend of ours had shared um, the beauty of natural family planning with us. And that was something that that we were doing. And I just want to put this story out there because um, we were not um, intending to get pregnant, but we had found out that we were pregnant with our daughter Liliana on Dece in December of that year. So just about four or five months after we had gotten married. And um, we had originally intended to, to wait a while. And obviously this was a very chaotic time in our lives because we weren't together a lot of, a lot of the time. And um, I just think it's very important for my story to recognize that um, even though that wasn't what we would have chosen, um, we were open to the idea through natural family planning um, that we could accept a baby into our lives. And, and I think as my story plays out, um, I become more and more grateful for the people that 
shared natural family planning with us and um, for that opportunity uh, to practice um, NFP at that time in our lives. Um, because moving forward, um, it's very possible that um, given the rest of my story, we if we had not had Lily at this time, it's possible that we might not have children at all. So um, I just want to give a little plug for NFP here. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm going to affirm that wholeheartedly, right? Because in, a, in today's world where contraception has become the, the norm, right? And many, many, many people are choosing to use contraception, even though the church still teaches that contraception does not align us with the will of God. Um, there is a great need to talk about alternatives to contraception um, so that you can live your life in, a, in accordance with God's plan. And natural family planning is the way that the church really embraces. And um, so anyone who's listening who maybe doesn't really know about it, I would en- I would encourage you, look it up, do some research. It affected my life in a beautiful way as well. I had to make changes in my life as a young married woman when I learned about it because I didn't know about it when I first got married and I was contracepting. So we, you know, it's never too late to learn and to change and to grow in God's grace. So thank you for sharing that part of your story. Definitely. Okay, so you you say you had the parent gig figured out by the time Lily was eight. What do you mean by that? Eight. Oh, eight months. Yeah, eight yeah, months. Eight months. Yeah. Um, I, that was just kind of a a little joke. I think that um, you know we. I think eight months was how long it took us to be like, okay, let's uh, let's reconsider uh, adding another kiddo. So um, and so. Our, our planned pregnancy was our little little Mariella, who um, is uh, exactly 16 months younger than our um, daughter Liliana. So, um, yeah. And so again, was... what a beautiful thing that here you said that you guys were planning on waiting, and then your hearts were changed. Through the gift of Lily, your hearts were changed, and now you're like, okay, well, now we're open to life in a new way, and hey, why not? Go ahead and plan another child, which is a beautiful thing. Um, so tell us, tell me a little bit or share share a little bit with the listeners about how you chose the names of these beautiful girls. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to share with listeners a little bit about um, how we thought about naming our children, just because it becomes important for my story later on as well. Um, but I'm a huge naming nerd. I just love where do names come from? What do they mean? Um, I especially love the Catholic tradition of saints and um, looking at their stories and how do we honor saints and people that have passed. And so um, both of my girls have Marian inspired names. So uh, Liliana, we often call Lily and she was born August 17th, which is very close to the Feast of the Assumption um, on August 15th. And her name references the Marian flower, the Assumption Lily, which is a a lily that usually only blooms in August near the Feast of the Assumption. So um, not only does that name represent uh, Mary and reference Mary, um, but it's also unique to the time that she was born. Um, And her middle name is Heidi, um, which honors Matt's mom who passed away just the day before I met Matt. Um, So um, I never got to meet her. So it was kind of nice to be able to honor her um, through our daughter. And then Mariella Grace uh, was born on December 17th. Um, and her name just means Little Mary. 
And um, obviously her middle name is Grace. So it makes her a little Mary Grace. And that was kind of a more direct um, reference to to Mary. So and I think throughout my story, you'll continue to see um, a lot of Marian influences, a lot of date influences and a lot of saintly um, influences as well. And um, I would encourage people to kind of lean on some of those uh, traditions, the traditions of feast days and saints, and um, really try to um, lean on them not only for yourself, but for any parents out there for your children, um, too, because there's lots of, um, I think the communion of saints is just a beautiful uh, Catholic tradition that we can lean on to realize that we're not in this life journey by ourselves. Amen to that, sister. That is beautiful. And, you know, it's true because we have such richness in the Catholic faith, right? There's such a breadth of resources to pull from, whether it is the saints or it is the mass or it is, you know, walking with other people of faith. Um, but learning the stories of the saints is a way to really enrich the lives of your family. Because when you can talk about the different saints and what they did and how they inspire us to really grow in holiness and to really strive to be the people God calls us to be. That's a gift you're giving to your children. And I love the fact that you are a Catholic naming nerd because it's a, it, it's, it has meaning. It has meaning and value that will enrich the lives of your daughters for their entire lives. So thank you again for sharing that. So, okay, so you, you're, you were a teacher. Tell us a little bit about that part of your story. Yeah, so I was a teacher in Cincinnati and then... Um, Obviously, Lily inspired us to change our lives quite a bit. We we moved, and I went to staying at home, and that prompted us to uh, decide to add another baby since I was already home. And um, but then I felt the calling to get back to work, and um, I felt like this was kind of a difficult transition for me. And um, I'm thankful for a lot of mentors because um, I definitely had in my mind that um, in order to be a good mother, I had to be at home and. But I definitely knew that there was a calling on my heart to, to, to do work and to to be out in the world. And um, so I transitioned back into being a teacher. And um, and this year, that year of teaching, um, Mariella was about nine months old and Lily was two, so they were still very young. But um, this year of teaching really got me thinking. Um, you know, what else am I called? to in in my work life and I actually had the thought in 2016 um, that I should t attend medical school I said I was I said oh my goodness this opened up a lot of possibilities for me I was teaching I was being a mom I was doing it what else could I do and um, I even told a physician friend of mine I said I think I'm being called to medical school um, and I considered making it part of my witness when I went on a uh, retreat but then I kind of dismissed it as a ridiculous idea. I said, you know, medical school is very different than teaching um, in a lot of ways. And, and I kind of dismissed the idea. But I did want to mention that it occurred to me at this time. And it occurred to me because I was able to juggle teaching and um, being a mom. And that was kind of an opening for me to, to dream a little bigger. That's beautiful. Okay, so you have this prompting that perhaps medical school might be something you should look at but then can you share a little bit about why you quickly kind of dismissed it like was there fear was there um 
can you put a name to that? Yeah, uh, definitely fear for sure. Um, I, and now that I'm further along in my journey, some of the fears seem silly, but they seem very real at the time. Um, one of my fears that I battled for a long time was that being a doctor and being a mom were incompatible, um, that you could not do both well. And, um, so I struggle with that a lot and, um, a little further on my journey, when I decide to pursue medical school, um, in earnest, I really try to surround myself with, um, moms who were physicians as well, like physicians who were moms, whichever one you want to put first and really try to, um, break down some of those, those barriers. Um, and I think that, um, it's very important for people to realize how much of an influence they have. Um, uh, you don't know what, um, people are facing in trying to pursue their dreams or pursue the, uh, the calling of the Lord and how inspiring you can be just by being you. Um, so yeah, so I just, I just didn't believe that, um, I didn't believe that I would get in. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe that I could continue to be a mother. Um, and those were two of the main things that really held me back and led me to dismiss this kind of early on, Yeah, that this was not, not a possibility for me. So interesting. And whenever we hear the word fear, right, um, that uh, I've, I've heard a term um, that, you know, it's false evidence appearing real fear false evidence appearing real. And it does, it appears very real to us that, well, this appears like this is an obstacle to my desire. There's a desire in my heart, but there appears to be an obstacle. So I'm going to just accept that as reality and shut the door on that desire, right? And God gives us the grace to push through that false evidence that appears very real but he says, wait a minute, with me, all things are possible, right? And with me, if this is my will for you, I'm going to give you the grace and show you how you can move forward, right? So it's time for a commercial break. But don't go away because Andrea's got just an amazing story to share about God's grace in her life and discerning and learning how to say yes, even when there is a little bit of fear in, in, you know, in your mind and your heart. This is Letty Medina. We'll be right back after this short break. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. A prayer for deliverance with Father John Grigas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels, and we come against any influence of the occult or the New Age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, the children, their grandchildren, their nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters, and families, and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices, and we invoke Mother Mary 
Mary, also in all the saints, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners, and may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May He send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them, and may our Mother Mary place her motherly mantle to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in Genesis after the fall. Amen. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm here with Andrea Velasquez, and she's been sharing a bit of her faith journey as a young adult, um, growing up in a Catholic family and getting married and having her first, her, her two children, her two, her two daughters. And it all sounds like, you know, pretty, pretty wonderful, right? But the reality is we all know that um, along this faith journey, along this journey of life, right, there comes the cross. And Andrew's no, no exception to that. So why don't we get into a little bit about where you were um, in July of 2017? Yeah, so in July of 2017, I had wrapped up my second year of teaching. Uh, we had just bought um, the house next door to my parents. Um, and my husband had just been promoted to his childhood dream job of being an NBA reporter. And... Um, our kids were doing great and, um, school was going well for me as a teacher. And, um, we decided that it was time to add another baby to our family. So, um, through the, the awesomeness that is NFP, we were able to, um, to get pregnant in, um, July of, of 2017 and, and our baby was going to be due in April of the following year. And anyone who's a teacher knows April's a pretty sweet time to, um, have a baby. So we were super excited. Um, but then, um, you know, something that I think we never thought would happen happened, which was that we lost that baby, um, mm. in September. So, um, and I looking back now did not realize how much this affected my mental health. And, um, I think that one of my focuses as I go through medical school is to really, um, uh, look into this more because of my own personal experience in, um, I really at this time became obsessed with getting pregnant again. I thought that that was the way to relieve some of this anguish that I had over um, losing a baby. And um, we, and it didn't happen right away. So I, um, I did something kind of silly. I, <laughs> I decided that we should adopt a puppy um, because um, that was kind of my foolish thinking at the time was that, oh my goodness, if we adopt a puppy, then no one will expect us to be pregnant, right? So I said, oh, there'll, there'll be enough on her plate. And I, and I just think that was just such a good indicator of where my mental health was at the time and how I was thinking. And um, I just, uh, I feel sad for my, myself <laughs> at this time. And I, I wish... Um, I had been a little more um, forthcoming with some of my struggles. Yeah. And, um, well, I, and I, I, I think just real quick, I, I want to say that sometimes 
it, we don't recognize how, how we're hurting, right? And so we need other people in our lives to kind of help us to recognize that perhaps there's something there. What happened to kind of help you move, move through this? Um, well, I don't think at this point I really moved through it very well. I, um, we were pregnant a month later. Um, so now we, we had this new puppy and the two children and I was working full time and we were, and I was pregnant again. And of course I thought that this was going to be the magical, um, fix. And I, um, but I was very cautious because now I was aware that, um, you know, everything doesn't always go as you had hoped. Right. And, um, and unfortunately this baby, um, also, uh, not only did we lose this baby, but um, this baby was an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and for anyone who's not familiar, this is an extremely dangerous condition where the uh, the baby was growing um, in my fallopian tube. And um, that is not a good place for a baby to grow. And um, ultimately, uh, uh, the tube can rupture and then it um, can cause internal uh, bleeding and, and ultimately death of the mother. So yeah so it was an incredibly traumatic experience for me because i had hoped that this um, baby would be the answer to our prayers and would solve some of my mental health issues um, that i had around uh, losing our first baby and instead it ended up being even more traumatic um i really struggled after this this was this was the um this this felt like a debt I couldn't repay. I I, fa I had to face my own mortality. I had to face that I was incredibly blessed to have access to medical care um, because this is something that um, if you don't have access to a hospital, if you can't pay for treatment, if you don't catch it soon enough, um, mothers will die. And and so I felt like um, you know this was a debt that I couldn't repay. I couldn't I. Um, felt survivor's guilt um, as moms. I think we feel like we should be able to protect our children. And I felt like I didn't do that very well. And, and I felt like a failure. I was mourning the loss of my fertility. Um, I had reduced fertility as a result of this. Um, and so the questions of would we ever be able to get pregnant again um, definitely crossed my mind. And I really spiraled mental health wise. I began to have suicidal thoughts. I, my husband was traveling a lot. So I was alone a lot with two young children and, and our, let's not forget the dog. And I spent a lot and I was working. So I spent a lot of time, uh, putting on a brave face, pretending to be okay. Um, but that was exhausting. And I just really want to be honest about my mental health struggle. Um, because I think too often, um, we think that we should just be better. Yeah. We should just be okay. Yeah. And I think that this is traumatic. Losing children um, is traumatic. Undergoing surgery can be very, an unexpected surgery can be very traumatic. Yes. And I, I just want to let anyone out there know who may be feeling like they should be okay already, um, that it's okay to not be okay. Exactly. Um, and I knew that I was barely functioning. I, I knew that um, I was in trouble. And I do want to give a shout out to my sister-in-law who happened to be living with us at the time. And 
And the reason she was living with us was because I wanted to help her. But what ended up happening was she ended up being kind of a guardian angel for me. I think she would insist that we watch Grey's Anatomy uh, nightly, uh, which kept me from um, kept me from um, spiraling too out of control. And even though I don't think she understood what was going on, it was so important to have another adult there. Yeah. It was so important for me. Um, and she also helped out a lot with the, with the kids and the dog. And so, um, I just want to say thanks to my sister-in-law, Kat. And I just also want to tell people that you don't have to know the whole story to help out. Um, and that, uh, being there for the people in your lives, um, is super important. That support system is, is super important. Um, and can I just insert real quickly here that what often happens when people are hurting so much, right. And they're trying to cope with loss, with pain, um, the, and fear, right. Uh, that, uh, we, we often can withdraw and, and if we get withdrawn and alone and isolated, that's when the enemy of our souls continues to kind of attack us when we're down and fill us with all sorts of those suicidal thoughts and depression. And like, it's never going to get any better. My life is kind of just ruined now because I've lost these children and I don't know if I can have more and on and on. So what a blessing that she was there as a bright light, uh, someone who loved you and just wanted to spend time with you, even though you were hurting. Beautiful. Um, okay. So then what, when, what was the turning point, the night that you kind of turned to the Lord with your brokenness? Yeah, there was one night. And I think when I envisioned this night, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm laying in my bed and I, I just, I had a hard time crying about what was happening. Um, but I was just laying in my bed and I just finally just threw up a prayer and said, this is so painful, Lord. I just, I just cannot continue to do what I am doing. I said, fine. If I, if I get a second chance, I guess I'll take it, but gosh, I cannot continue to do this. This is just too painful. And I didn't even know what this was. I just knew I was in so much pain. Um, and I just asked him, I said, I said, what do I need to change? I said, I can't, I can't do this the way that I'm doing it. And, and in this moment, um, I, I laughed for the first time in a long time because the answer that I received was try to get into medical school. (laughs) God's got a sense of humor. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I thought that was, I, I really did laugh out loud. I said, um, you know, that's such a strange thing to tell someone who can barely get out of bed in the morning and is, is having suicidal thoughts. I mean, tell them they should try to get into one of the most difficult graduate programs. Um, it just seems so silly. I thought it was so ridiculous. In fact, I thought it was so ridiculous that I felt like I needed to make a list to show God how many things I would have to do to get into medical school and how just impossible and ridiculous it was. I, 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 in my mind, in when I'm remembering this, I was grabbed a piece of paper and I literally, I wrote down a list. Um, but the thing that was different was that I resolved to do one of the things on that list. I felt like at that moment, I finally had something to do that wasn't feel bad for myself. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I did was I resolved to go to an open house at, um, Marion University College of Osteopathic Medicine in Indianapolis, which was 
a school I knew almost nothing about, but I had Googled when I had the inspiration to uh, go to medical school back in 2016. So I saw they were having an open house and I signed up in that moment. And that was the beginning of, of my journey. Well, and I, I just want to highlight the fact that you're choosing a school called Marion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely plays into the story. I had not considered it at this very moment, but that comes into play a little later too. Okay, so you, you go to this open house and what happened? Yeah, so I went to the open house and I was super excited. I started to believe that maybe this might be a possibility for me again. And that's super exciting because this this dream and this this calling on my heart goes back to a long time ago. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and so I'm revisiting something that uh, had been on my heart for a long time. And I think my husband speaks about this too. She, he says, Andrea, you've had the same like four things on your heart ever since I've known, all the time that I've known you. And um, so he wasn't all that surprised when I talked to him about it because we had talked about this before. How beautiful. Um, yeah. So I went to the open house. It was great. And I was, I said, okay, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to find the chapel on campus because it was a Catholic school. And I found that there was a chapel right on the first floor of the medical school building. Awesome. So I saw this plaque and saw that it was the chapel of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And I ran in and I was just bubbling with excitement and I didn't really have much to say. And I just I just said thanks. And then I um, was leaving and I realized I had not finished reading the plaque on the outside of the building about Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And I'm kind of, uh, you know, you know, the naming nerd thing again. So <laughs> I was like, I hadn't heard of her. So I'm going to read about it. And I um, this was an incredibly moving moment for me because I read that this icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help is actually attributed to St. Luke, um, who is the patron saint of physicians. Uh -huh. And what I didn't tell you guys before was the baby that we had lost through the ectopic pregnancy, we had named Luke. Aww. And I am I am a naming nerd and I had no idea that um, Luke was the patron saint of physicians. And, um, you know, I really attribute his loss to um, the beginning of this journey. And um, so that was a moment where just this beautiful confirmation of um, I was not only supposed to be, um, you know, at that school at that moment, um, but that I was supposed to be on this path in general. And so, um, yeah, I guess it's just a beautiful way that the Lord um, changes suffering and sadness and some of the darkest moments of our lives into something really beautiful. Yes. And, uh, you know, I always love to go back to the scripture, Romans eight twenty eight, which is um, God turns all to good, you know, for those who love him, right? All things to good. And so you, again, were open to responding to his prompting in the middle of that long list that you made about all the reasons why this wasn't going to be possible, Lord. And he's like, just take one step, just take one step with me. Right. And you did. And then he affirms it with this beautiful gift of this chapel and St. Luke and the history you didn't know about. Like, that's how he works, right? He reveals himself in these little ways, and it's just amazing. 
So what happened next? You have this long list. Where do you go from there? Oh, gosh, it was a long list, Letty. I had a lot to do. Um, So um, did a lot of praying. I um, studied for and took the MCAT. And uh, there's kind of a story there, too. I leaned into Mary for that one. I had the opportunity to sign up for a September 8th MCAT date. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's the Feast of the Nativity of Mary. Um, I tried to plan as many uh, things as I could on uh, feast days uh, as I could. And yeah, so I took the MCAT on. I also did a Marian consecration leading up to that day. Um, So that I, I just wanted to put all of this journey back on the Lord, right? Like I did not and I could not see how Um, this was all going to play out. It just, it at a lot of times felt very impossible. And so there were a lot of moments where I just said, all right, you take it from here. I, you know, I I studied for the MCAT. Um, I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to put it in your, in your hands. And, and, um, you know, I had to shadow physicians. I took more classes, got recommendations, uh, prayed a lot, uh, talked to Matt, prayed, prayed with him, prayed with my girls. Um, I chose to intentionally shadow Catholic practices who were using fertility awareness-based methods, uh, natural family planning methods. So, um, I got to help them care for patients and, and built kind of an incredible faith-based physician network and realized that, you know, we are in need of, of faith-filled physicians. Um, That is, is definitely, a need. And, um, I got to pray with those physicians too. And a lot of them became, uh, mentors for me and, uh, really helped push me forward, um, in this journey. And How so beautiful. can you yeah. share a little bit about, okay, you know, you've kept mentioning Marion and, and your love for the month, our mother, Mary, who always leads us to her son and, and to the father's will. Right. So tell us a little bit about your beautiful experience one day when you were walking around your neighborhood. Yeah. So this is an experience that, you know, I've kept close to my heart because it was just so moving and I think it was meant for me. And, and I just was walking around the neighborhood and, and I used walking and, um, as a time to kind of think through some of those, some of those fears, I think I would really encourage people to bring those fears to the Lord. Um, and just say, Lord, I'm afraid I won't be able to spend time with my children. Um, I'm afraid we won't have enough money. I'm afraid um, because I think that he really seeks to um, address some of those fears and some of those needs um, when you talk to him directly about them. And, um, you know, I was kind of in my own head and and I was walking and I look up and I see Mary and I she it's kind of hard to describe. I'm not sure if I stopped walking and I was looking at her, if I continued walking and she was just in my mind, but she was um, standing in front of me and holding two babies. And, um, I just, I knew they were, um, our two babies. Right. And I just, she said to me that the babies were never meant to make me sad. Um, like giving, giving us that gift was never, uh, meant to make us sad. Um, it was just that the Lord knew that this would be a difficult journey. And um, these babies were going to be our um, advocates in heaven. And that that was their purpose. And so um, I'm sorry if you hear me getting a little choked up. It's a very um, uh, emotional story to tell. um, But it just 
I was able to shift my view at that moment of my experience from something that was incredibly sad and felt unfair to something that was a gift and a blessing and something that I could continue to lean on um, throughout my life. Um, Beautiful. And I just want to, for anyone that this might be helpful for, I, at that moment, began to reflect on the idea of um, the opportunity to co-create saints um, with with my husband and um, with the Lord. And I think ultimately as parents, um, you know, we want our kids to get to heaven. And, um, and it's just kind of exciting to think about two of them already being there. Um, so um, I don't know if that's helpful for parents who have lost children, but it was definitely a turning point um, for me. What a gift. And again, just um, a reminder to us all that Mother Mary, again, is always there as kind of a, a guide to, to bring us back to her son, who is truth, right? And that when we experience loss like that, you know, God never intends anything for evil, right? He turns everything to good for our for our benefit. He wants what's best for us. I know the plans I have for you, to prosper you and not to harm you, right? That's in Jeremiah. We need to know scripture. We need to know the Lord. We need to have relationships with the saints, with the angels, with Mother Mary, because God's plan for us is perfect, but we have to listen and we have to respond to his grace, right? And you are speaking about a journey where you had to kind of decipher all these kind of difficult moments, but realize that God was there throughout all of it, right? And so now it's time for another commercial break, but don't go away because the rest of Andrea's story is so beautiful and powerful and will inspire you. So this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident, and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I am here with uh, my friend Andrea Velasquez, and she's been sharing her beautiful um, spiritual journey filled with wonderful moments of grace and some very difficult moments of loss as well. Um, So we're at the part now that you have had this profound kind of um, experience with Mother Mary. You have gone to Marian University and kind of seen firsthand what it might look like. Where did you go from here? Yeah, I kept working my way through that list and of things that I needed to do. And um, every time I did one thing, I felt like I added five more things. Um, 
but just kind of diligently worked through it until um, it came time to uh, summer 2019. And um, this was the summer that I would have to apply. And um, I was getting my application ready and I just felt like we were supposed to put our house on the market. Um, I, and I had heard, I had, I had this urging that that was something we were supposed to do, but I was really reluctant um, because I wasn't sure if I was gonna get in. Um, and it was a pretty risky, risky move, but um, a couple things happened. Um, and I just, these are just kind of the ways that the Lord kind of prompted me that this was in fact what he was asking me to do. And, and one of them was, I was really concerned about leaving my garden. I know that sounds silly, but I spent a lot of time in the garden and in the summer of 2018 healing from, from our losses. And it really was just a very restorative, um, hobby for me. It was a good time, a good place and way to spend my time, um, cultivating little growing things. And, and I was sad about leaving it. And I, I, I just told the Lord, I said, I don't want to sell my house. I'm sad about leaving my garden. And um, so I put in an application for a community garden spot and it, it had been full for years. So I didn't think it was going to pan out. But um, almost on the same day, I got a phone call saying there was a spot open, <laughs> which I then took. And my parents uh, said, why don't you move in with us? if you're gonna sell your house. Um, and so I just knew that that was just kind of the confirmation from the Lord. Um, you know, I didn't hear him speaking directly, but I just knew he had heard that that was something I was concerned about. And he um, had made a way to move forward with the house sale. So okay. and we I put it on the market. Well, I just want to interject, right? Because I think it's important for the listeners to hear that beautiful thing. He confirmed it. And it is that is the way the Lord works in these things because he, if he wants something to happen, he's going to open doors for you to make a way so that you're blessed in moving forward towards his will, right? He, he and, and he confirms it through people like your mom, your mom, like, yeah, just move in with us. And like, whoa, really? That easy? Thank you, mom. <laughs> like, I don't have to buy, a, you know, rent to find a house to rent or, you know, whatever. That, that is how God makes our path straight to do his will. Okay, go on. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but then another important thing happened in the summer of 2019, before I sent in my application, um, we experienced another ectopic pregnancy and emergency surgery. And, um, this one, uh, I was a little more devastated about because this also meant the end of our, um, the end of our fertility. Um, this, this really, um, was incredibly damaging to my reproductive system in a way that we knew we weren't going to be able to have any more children. So mm -hmm. not only was there the loss of a child, another child, but, but also our chances of having more children. And, um, I remember reaching out to a friend and just asking her to please pray for me because, um, I didn't want to be back in the place where I was before. Right. Um, I did not want to stop and, um, have this be the reason I didn't apply. Um, and so, um, did the surgery, a lot of praying and, um, managed to send in my application a month later and, uh, this, the house sold a few months after that. And, um, I actually accepted, um, a spot to interview, um, at Marion and, uh, 
I only applied to Marion. And uh, anyone who knows med school applications, that's a pretty crazy thing to only apply to one school. And I asked the Lord many, many times, are you sure only one school? Are you sure only one school? Um, and I would, um, you know, pray a lot about that because that seemed very risky. And um, so I applied, I interviewed, and I remember stopping at the chapel again after my interview at Marion and saying, well, Lord, you asked me to try harder to get into medical school and this is it. I, I tried harder. Um, and I, this is, this is what I can do. And, um, I got waitlisted. And, um, so I went back again and said, Lord, are there more schools I'm supposed to apply to? Is this not the program that you want me to apply to? Um, and I went through five waitlist reviews, um, and was waitlisted again after every single one of those. So during those reviews, they pick people off the waitlist to accept, and I was not chosen. Um, and so um, uh, around March or April, I started to look at different options and apply to a program at Loyola, a graduate program that I would do for a year and then reapply. And um, obviously the pandemic hit. Um, and so there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, I felt incredibly um, uncertain about what to do over the summer when I was in this limbo of, I had interviewed, there was nothing else I could do. Um, it was too late to submit any more applications. I, um, had left my job and, uh, as a teacher and I was living with my parents, my house was sold. There was really no going back. Right. Um, so there was a lot of prayer. Yeah at that time saying, am I sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing? And um, eventually on July 8th, um, I got an email that said, hey, Andrea, what are your plans for medical school? Um, would you still like to come to Marion? And could you send us $1,000 um, <laughs> to hold your spot? So, and you know, the answer was of course, yes. And we were, we were so excited, but it, it, it was 10 months after my interview that I got accepted. Um, it was a very late acceptance and we had about a month to transition our entire family uh, to Indianapolis. But here's the beauty, school. here's the beauty, right? That God had made a way. He had freed you from your job, from your home, from pretty much any attachment so that you were ready to pick up and move at a moment's notice because he knew the plan, right? And he allowed you to wait on him. And it was hard, right? This is where God asks for great trust and surrender. And I remember seeing you many times throughout these months where it was a struggle, right? But you kept surrendering and you kept saying, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep waiting. I'm just going to keep, you know, trusting that I know this, I know what he's put on my heart. I remember you saying that to me many times and it's like, yeah, he's, he's calling you just keep trusting. Yes. I think that, um, as is the way with these knowings and these urges on our heart, I felt like when I took this to prayer, I was already in, I was already accepted to Marion. It's just when I got out into the real life, real life, there was no proof of that. There was, it was not manifested for those entire 10 months. Um, in fact, at times it felt pretty impossible, but whenever I took it to prayer, I said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I felt like it was confirmed again and again and again. Um, and you know, like you said, Letty, 
there's no way we would have been able to put our house on the market and sell it in the month that I needed to. And uh, to be able to make that turnaround. And it was all as it should be, right? And actually, it didn't make any difference whether I was accepted in October um, after that first interview or in July um, because everything was already in place. Yeah. And, and it was only in place because I had had those prompts things. And I had asked, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I'm supposed to be? And I just feel like that is kind of the summation of my relationship with God. I said, you know, I feel like this is what you're asking me to do, but I'm afraid of this, or I'm concerned about this, or um, how is this going to work out? And he doesn't answer directly. Um, but there, there is a path there that, that is made clear. And sometimes I think I've been given the outcome with such clarity. I think that it's already happening. Um, and sometimes it's frustrating to not see all of those pieces manifest immediately. Um, but um, I'm living proof that they do eventually. Um, and to just keep that connection with the Lord and keep asking and making sure that that you're on the right track because there is a path. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a couple of things I want to emphasize that you've, you've shared is you kept taking it back to the Lord in prayer, right? So that's a key part of the discernment process is that we don't always know, and it's very dark sometimes when we're not seeing any doors open right in front of us at that moment, but you kept taking it back to him and saying, Lord, am I missing something? And he would just give you that peace, right? That no, just just wait on me, right? Like it's just don't do anything else yet. Because if he had wanted you to do something else, he would have kind of revealed that to you in some way, right? Open a different door for you to walk through. Um, so that's really important. Um, and then just the the trust, the surrender, the, the community of people you were walking with. Um, you had the support of your parents. You had, you had the support of your husband. That was key. Can you talk a little yes. bit about that? Yeah, I... Um... Gosh, got to give a shout out to my husband. I couldn't have done a lot of this without him and and also my parents and my girls. And I just um, want to emphasize that you're not supposed to do this alone, right? No. So um, I've had to lean on a lot of different people and a lot of different mentors and a lot of family and a lot of friends. Um, and I think for my personality, that's been difficult. I want to be the one that helps people. I don't want to be helped. And one of the things I realized about, you know, the physician mother incompatibility uh, lie that I had bought into early on was that, um, you know, I'm not meant to do this by myself and that it was okay to have a community who was going to be there to support my girls at times that I had to take class or, um, you know, my husband, it's okay for him to pick up laundry more often than me or clean the kitchen or whatever, make meals, whatever it is. And I just want to encourage, I think, women and mothers in particular um, to, gosh, if you have an urging on your heart, it is the Lord calling you and you are the one that is supposed to fulfill that urge. And when you are not, um, you know, and if you think that it's not possible because you're a wife or a mother, um, that, that, gosh, the, the world needs your gifts and your talents and your experiences. And I just would want to encourage people to, um, 
I think moms in particular to, to listen to those because you're, you're a child of God first and he is, he is calling you to bring something that no one else can bring to the world and that it's okay to lean on other people, um, to help you bring those gifts to fruition because, um, anyone that I help as a physician is, I, I can only help because of the people around me, um, that, that helped me through this process and, and because of the Lord. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah, so, you know, could have never predicted this was the way that everything would turn out. And we're still very much in the middle of, of figuring out this medical school journey. And, um, but here we are. But you've, you've gotten through one semester, right? Yes. Which is a great yes. gift. Um, so a couple final comments before we bring the show to the a close is, number one, um, there is a beautiful Catholic saint that people should hear about who is a wife and a, and a physician, St. Gianna yeah. Mola. Yeah. You know? Yes. She is my go-to mama <laughs> physician. Amen. Um, so again, learn about the saints. I encourage that so strongly. And then... Um, just that you have a passion to um, really protect life. And that's going to be possibly where you focus some of your medical training. Is is that not right? Yeah, I think the newest discernment is trying to learn as much as I can um, about different specialties and just really continue to ask the Lord, where am I called? Where am I called? Um, because the specialty that brought me to medical school might not be the place where he ultimately wants me to go. Beautiful. And so uh, just continuing to check in. Beautiful. Yeah. His plan is perfect and you understand that and you're open to wherever he leads you. And that is the call of a disciple. That is the, the witness in the life of a disciple is like, okay, Lord, where, where will you lead me next? I will follow. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing your beautiful story of faith. Um, I know it was, it hasn't always been easy, um, you're still you're still living it out, and I look forward maybe a, d- a few years down the road to getting you back on the show and sharing more about where, what God has done in your beautiful young life. Um, so thank you. Thank you, and I'd be happy to come back. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, we'll be praying for you, and thank you all to those of you who have tuned in today. I hope you um, were blessed by this beautiful witness of faith, and please tune in every month to Letty Medina, Fullness of Life. Until we meet again, I am wishing you all his fullness of life. Bye. Nobis post hoc exilium hosti.
Sunday. Oh.